Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Chance Podcast. I'm Matt Maritea. I'm going to be your host. This is a podcast that's all about talking sports and having a beer or maybe two. So, thank you for stopping by, and without further ado, let's get to it. say it is time for another edition of the sporting chance podcast i am matt merite i'm your host i'm glad to have you with me here all today good morning good afternoon good night whenever you're listening thanks for stopping by anyway let's get into this i have a ton to talk about i i feel like i finally sort of hit my rhythm with sports topics here things have happened finally but they also kind of haven't But, getting into it, the big news that happened at the top of the day, and I'm almost kind of glad that I waited to record this podcast, because I knew he was going to do something soon. Canelo Alvarez, Saul Canelo Alvarez, has completely dropped out of his agreement with Golden Boy Promotions and DAZN. So now... Probably the world's most popular boxer and one of the biggest draws, not only just in America, but down in Mexico, right? In Mexico, yeah. Guadalajara's favorite son. Hmm? Yeah. And also around the rest of the Hispanic world, the Latin American world, and internationally as well. Huge draw. Now a total free agent. Free to sign with whoever he wants. Free to create his own promotional company and work with different companies going forward which i think considering he already does have one it would behoove him to sort of just stick with that and you know expand that out but i I think this is a pretty big moment in boxing right because considering where canelo went to and that he actually signed this streaming deal worth like 365 million over 11 fights to begin with and now that he's out of it is shown that maybe some of the power does reside with the fighters right now. And he's making his move. So I believe uh, that he's going to be able to, you know, perhaps make his own way from now. And obviously his trainer, uh, Eddie Reynoso, came out and he spoke a lot more than Canelo did. And he essentially just said, you know, we've been in the gym, we're training, uh, we, we hope to have a fight, you know, this year. And the rumor has it from Mike Coppinger and uh, Salvador, uh, I think, the, the guy from ESPN. They both stated that they're targeting Caleb Plant, the IBF super middleweight champion, uh, probably on like a December 19th card. Which, you know, would be nice. Canelo gets to ring in Christmas with, a, you know, another belt around his waist. Plant's a good fighter. I mean, he's nowhere near on the level of a Canelo Alvarez, but you know that would be a good fight, an interesting fight, one I'd like to see, obviously. But it's just nice to see him take that power back uh, from Oscar De La Hoya. One, because I think De La Hoya is a bit of a creep, uh, and, I, and I think De La Hoya wants to keep himself so much in the spotlight and wants to keep Golden Boy so much about him, about the original Golden Boy, that it actually takes away from his entire stable of fighters. 
And number two, because I just, you know, I want to see the power in these guys' hands. They have careers that are so dangerous and so short, and your shelf life could literally be one fight. You could always have one more fight, or that could be your last fight. And you know, I, I want to see them have the power. I want to see them be able to make their money and get out healthy or as healthy as you possibly can uh, in time. So good for Canelo. Good for him. Uh, good for Eddie and Chico Reynoso. Uh, looking forward to see what he does in the future. Uh, fight with Caleb Plant will be interesting. You know, uh, certainly I don't think it's going to make a ton of money betting wise, but you know, definitely going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I just wish it had come on an Eagles bye week, but like this news did. Right now, I'm sitting here in an Eagles bye week. I have. You know, I got a free Sunday, right? Because I, I don't know what to do with myself. The It's week nine in the NFL, and the Eagles aren't playing. Uh, so it's maybe a time to relax, reflect on the season. It's been bad, right? And you can't deny that. The team has not played well. The defense has been pretty good. Uh, I'll give them that. The defense has been pretty good. Uh, they've struggled with some issues in the secondary but they're kind of reforming that on the fly and the linebacking core has been decimated by injuries um but the offense man it's just i think now is going to be their time to shine the second half they may be able to turn it around solely based on the fact that after playing dallas last week and winning and being able to pull that off what they have is time. They have basically two uninterrupted weeks to gel as a line to, you know, basically have to say, hey, this is who we're going with. You know, you guys spend the next two weeks gelling, getting on the same page, working on things. They have a chance to refine all those finer motions, all those, you know, little details that say an offensive line and an offense needs to do. And they have the time to do it, right? They're not installing a game plan. They're not thinking about matchups. They're not worrying about anything right now except practicing and figuring out what's been going wrong. Why haven't they been able to succeed? And they have a softball opponent coming off the bye in the form of the New York football giants. So that gives me cause for optimism. That makes me think this 3-4-1 team will be a 4-4-1 team at the end of week 10. Uh, I'm not worried about Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, I know Ike Reese held his rally for him today. The LTBB community came out strong. Let the Bronco buck. I agree, good sir. I'm a representative of the Marlton chapter. But really, there's so much pressure uh, right now on Carson Wentz to make plays, to make these receivers uh, into legitimate NFL players that he's been playing with. Um, so we'll see if he gets, you know, a Dallas Goddard back a little bit healthier, if Miles Sanders is able to come back healthier. And there are some options, right? Rather than trying to force the ball into a, you know, into a Greg Ward when he's covered or throwing it up and hoping that Travis Fulgham can make a play and, uh, you know, coming up to the point of attack, right? Uh, ideally, uh, I'm going to be able to, you know, see all of these things from Carson Wentz. Uh, if not, then, you know, 
oh well, we're it, it's Carson Wentz. He's gonna be fine. Uh, moving on. So with no Eagles to talk about or to pick, I'm gonna have to do four different games. Uh, and the NFL picks for this week will come as follows. Texans are going to be playing Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville is starting uh, Jake Luton. So, yeah, that's not good for them. So, the Texans, who are on a little bit of a run since coming, uh, since having Romeo Cornell take over as their head coach, are minus six and a half. I kind of like them to win by at least a touchdown, knowing just Jacksonville right now uh, is looking at the Jets and saying, come on, can you guys win, please? Because we're, we're tanking too. Cardinals, uh, four and a half point favorites over the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, it, I guess it's two a time, but he didn't look all that great. He had a ton of help, both defensively, special teams, uh, his running backs contributed. Uh, I like the Cardinals, frankly. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. I just I don't think there's anybody on the Miami defense who can handle uh, Kyler running around, DeAndre mossing people, uh, you know. And then they have other weapons. They have Larry Fitz, and then Chase Edmonds is finally going to get his time to shine, and he should be really good. Uh <coughs> The Pats, all right, minus seven and a half against the Jets. The Jets are the sorriest excuse for an NFL franchise that I've ever seen so far. Like, this is so much different than watching, like, an 0-16 Lions team. This is is 0-16 Browns bad. This is really bad. Uh, But, you know, uh... Sam Darno could always pull something out, but I doubt it. And Belichick, you know, he, after a string of losses, he tends to get angry. I think he's going to coach angry, and I think that's good for them. And in the final game, right, uh, the plus six and a half Bears against the Titans. The, uh, the Titans uh, aren't really... Uh, you know, that they've lost two straight. I don't know what to think of them. I don't know what to think of the Bears either, which is why I think it's going to remain a close game. That and just Nick Foles. That's all I can say. So, we like Texans minus six and a half. We like the Cardinals minus four and a half. We like the Pats laying seven and a half. And we like our dogs, the Bears at plus six against the Titans. So yeah, we'll see how that works out for us this weekend. So moving into our next topic. Well, actually, before I do that, can crackers and beer folks, you've waited a long time. And I've sort of been staring at this thing because I needed it to warm up a little bit because... It's a stout. I mean, this was International Stout Day. Uh, it happened earlier this week. And some of my favorite stouts and beers are uh, cereal beers, especially cereal stouts. Because I think there's just so much option there when you want to use that kind of grain. So, I went to Bolero Snort, 
Well, not went there. Grabbed uh, something from the liquor store. And uh, I grabbed their Cocoa Pebbles, right? P-E-B-B Bulls, right? Instead of Pebbles, Pebbles, yeah. And, you know, they have a, you know, a bull as their main mascot. Anyway, it is a milk stout that is racked over and mashed in over a bedrock of chocolate cereal. They made sure to get that one right. And a conditioned on top of Haitian cacao nibs. So I'm expecting chocolate, chocolate, and chocolate from the 6.3% ABV stout. There's our tappers. So can crackers. That means we've got three, two, and one. Yep, this one is going to be super chocolatey. Now it's just a regular stout, so... Ooh. Wow. That looks great, especially in my little like gold leaf glass. That is a pretty looking beer. Now the darker the better, really. But... We'll, we'll, we'll see how ultimately it tastes. So moving on to that, uh, I wanted to talk about would the Sixers trade Ben Simmons for James Harden in any capacity? Yes, I suppose. Because it would make a huge splash and it would you know show a commitment to Joel Embiid. But that's the only reason. I think trading for James Harden would be a massive mistake. I think you have to let Ben and Joel continue to develop together. I think you have to let Ben and Joel ultimately be the leaders of this team and grow into that role. I think you also have to let Tobias do that. Um, I, I think they need a show of faith now. And I think they need time with Doc Rivers. You know, with that next level uh, coach. That guy who's going to advance them. Uh, in their basketball lives. That and also James Harden is 31. I'll take Ben, you know, right now and what he can give me over the next three to four years over, you know, maybe Harden, you know, starts having injury problems. Maybe Harden loses a step. Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that Harden is that old, but, you know, I, you just have to take Ben right now. Ben is a superior athlete, is a unique athlete amongst the entire NBA and uh, I, I really think he's going to continue to progress uh, in in some respects maybe not from a shooting standpoint but I think the rest of his game still can get even better hopefully I needed a little sip after that rant and yeah uh, I think I'm going to have good things to say uh, moving on, I have a baseball point. So the Phillies have had a little bit of activity here, right? So um, Alec Bohm, uh, their rookie sensation, probably the best prospect in their entire farm system. Uh, he made his major league debut this year, and he did really, really well over his 44 games. Uh, he's nominated for the NL Rookie of the Year, right? He uh, was able... Uh, really to produce and produced in clutch situations and 
you know, I, I think he was a very effective player. Uh, is he going to get the nod? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, there's a guy in the NL who put up stats that were relatively similar, uh, but he also played every position in the infield. So you kind of have to give it to him. And there's also a pitcher who like let up one run in, I don't know, 27 innings or something like that and struck out like 55 batters. So, uh, yeah, there's some pretty stiff competition, but Alec Bohm is uh, a positive going forward for the Phillies, which is good, right? It seems like third base is secure, and that leaves you with different questions uh, about a guy like Gene Segura, sure, and where he's going to play, and what do you do with Didi Gregorius? But that'll all be settled in the winter meetings and once we get to hot stove time, so I'm not going to worry about that. What I am going to is bemoan a little bit because two former Phillies uh, won gold gloves and it could have been two people who uh, had a a shot to be managing the middle of the Phillies infield right now. Uh, J.P. Crawford, who uh, really, I don't know, uh, he hasn't really put his bat together. He does okay out in Seattle, but I mean, his fielding was always the major thing about him. And he's a decent enough hitter that he can get by, right? But his defensive runs save, right? He's finally able to put it together, and he was a positive six, right? So he saved six runs this year at least. Um, Yeah, and he's always had the talent to do so. I mean, there's never been any question about his defense. A guy who maybe there was a little bit of question about was Cesar Hernandez. Now, Hernandez was always a good fielder. He may have made the occasional bonehead error. But uh, Caesar finally broke through. Uh, he had another six defensive runs saved as well uh, at second base for the Cleveland Indians. He also led the American League in doubles, right? He had 20 doubles in you know a 60-game season. That's kind of impressive. He hit classic, you know, 280s, whatever. Uh, Caesar at 30 on a one-year show-me deal, I mean, he he did really well in Cleveland. uh, And I think he equated himself well to be able to get some starting time. Um, But he was a guy who was a statistical leader for these bad Phillies teams and somehow, you know, would lead the league in plate appearances or pitches seen, uh, lead off walks. You know, bunch singles, infield hits. Uh, Caesar's just a good, subtle baseball player. You don't really know what you have in him until you see it on another team or, or you don't have it anymore. And uh, he's a switch hitter, which is great. He's decent enough on the base paths. He's got good foot speed. Uh, doesn't make any major mental mistakes. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is a guy that you can put on any team uh, in the league, really, unless you have an elite second baseman. And I miss that because we're so inconsistent with not knowing, you know, what Scott Kingery is going to turn into. Is he going to have a bat? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is he an outfielder at this point? You just don't know. So, uh, yeah, uh, I miss Cesar Hernandez. And I like you know, his music was fun when he came up to bat. And, you know, just be like, Cesar! You know, it, it was something you can exclaim, right? It is a fun guy to be a fan of. 
So I'm doing something a little different today for the card situation. I'm actually going to be opening up a pack, which I think is going to be super fun, you know, sort of while I'm recording this. So I've always been a fan of these uh, since they came out, these new style, old style. Uh, yeah, anyway, I've always been a fan of these Allen and Ginter cards, right? Uh, you know, these things are, are made in that sort of old timey card style and I've always wanted to start collecting them and grab packs so I'm doing it and it was a, I saw one in a store the other day uh, while I was grabbing some older packs right I can't help it I see something from 1990 and I'm just like it smells musty kind of smells like my childhood I'm like I was like an I was in an attic like this with my grandfather and my uncle looking at cards and he was telling me about how you know, this box hasn't moved since 1972. So naturally I had to get those. But I saw one of these and I figured, well, let's just grab one, right? Because I wanted to see them, you know, and I wanted to own some finally. Because I've seen them and appreciated them from afar. So, yeah, I'm doing my own little uh, unveiling, if you will, right now. So, yeah, this is fun. So I got six cards, uh, yeah, and apparently they're special inserts, right? So, whoa. Oh yeah, uh, let's see, baseball Brit, British baseball fan, good for you. Um, whoa, Babe Ruth, long ball lore. You know, about Willie Mays. Stein. Whoa, Arthur. Arthur R.L. Stein. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the their world champions packs. So this is really some of the... Craig Biggio. I mean, you can't be Bij. I mean, uh, his career numbers are insane. And... Most appropriately, uh, the late, great, former Philly, rest in peace, uh, Joe Morgan. And, you know, I, it's really, I'm instantly in love with these cards and the art style of these. Uh, you know, I, I've always wanted to become a more avid collector and uh, getting to open things like these. Uh, is awesome for me. Uh, I'm super happy with it. Uh, yeah, I think this is a really fun way to start things off. Um, money well spent. Um, I'm not sure if everyone would agree with that, but eh, it's my money. So, yeah. Uh, happy to have these. This is fun. This is really cool. Um, so, I don't have anything else, so let's review this beer. Let's take a nice, deep sip. Great album title. I dig it. Dibs. So, 
this one's tough, right? Because there are different kinds of stouts, right? And this one is a milk stout, right? So you almost expect that sort of dairy milkiness, um, you know. Uh, this one comes through a little more roasty than I would have imagined. Um, you know, you can certainly taste the cacao nebs. You can tell that it was conditioned over that chocolatey base. What I'm not getting uh, is a ton of cereal, right? I'm, I'm not getting that sort of, and let's just say it, what they're trying to mimic here is cocoa pebbles, right? So I'm not getting something that mimics that sort of grain uh, uh, styling. Uh, there is cocoa powder also in this. And that might be just a tad overpowering, right? Um, no, it's not too boozy. 6.3 is a, excuse me, a, a good level alcohol-wise. The IBU is not listed, but I would imagine that it's not very high if it's above you know, 25, I would be shocked. You get a certain amount of milk uh, in the nose, right? Uh, but other than that, uh, it's pretty roasty and chocolatey, which, you know, is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, this is one of those... It may not meet expectations, but it's still a really, uh, it, it's still a good beer. Yeah, you, know, you would still be very, uh, very happy with it, I believe. Um, so, see that that this is the tough part now, right? Uh, how do I rank that? Um, on average, on Untapped, uh, this gets hmm. Like a 3.78, right? Uh, which, yeah, I think that's fair. I think 3.75 is fair. Uh, I saw a lot of people ranting and raving uh, on there about the chocolatiness. Uh, I think it's maybe a little, the, the roast factor was just a, a, a hair too much for me. This is on the border of, of being a pretty great beer. I think it went a little over on the roast and a little over maybe on the cocoa powder. Right? Maybe I want a little less powder. And so I want those nibs to come out maybe. Uh, you know. It is what it is, right? You, you can't make a perfect beer every time. But you can make a pretty good beer every time. You can't make a quality product. And that's what this is. It is a quality product. Uh... So 3.75, I definitely recommend trying whatever this brewery puts out. I've had a couple beers from them. I've always enjoyed it. I can't wait to get up there and eventually visit the facility one day out in Karlstad and Jay. Uh, so yeah, if you're ever in that area, make sure you pick something up. And if you like stouts, maybe give this one a try, especially if you really like chocolate. So uh, beer, good. Uh, Eagles, optimistic. Canelo, uh, we're, we're really happy for him and that he's going out on his own ventures. Our NFL picks uh, for the week, the Texans at minus 6.5. They're laying 6.5 against the Jags. We like the Cardinals laying 4.5 
against the Finns. We like the Pats laying seven and a half against the J-E-T-S, J-E-T-S, Jets suck. Uh, and we like the Bears as dogs against the Titans to cover. Okay, we think that plus six is a little too generous when it comes to Nikki six. And that's what I'm talking about. Uh, we don't believe that Ben Simmons should be traded for James Harden. We do think that Alec Bohm is the future at third base. We're happy, but it's bittersweet that J.P. Crawford and especially Cesar Hernandez uh, have won Golden Gloves. And I'm super excited uh, to have officially started my collection of Allen and Ginter cards. Uh, so, all in all, that being said... Uh, if you want to continue to follow along with the podcast, it's at Sport Chance Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe uh, everywhere you get the podcast. Leave a rating, leave a review. Uh, everything always helps, and it's always nice to get. Uh, if you want to follow along with me personally, uh, you can go to mmaratea22, or that's M-M-A-R-A-T-E-A-2-2 on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Untapped, on Medium. Uh, and you know, check out everything I'm doing there. I'm always accessible if you want to get in touch and be sure to look at last out media network. Uh, we're doing a ton of great things there. Uh, I've written about most of the stuff that I've talked about and what I haven't written about. Somebody else has, uh, really, really check it out. Uh, be sure to check out the writer's podcast, check out dining on a dime and, uh, yeah, check out FNX fit. Always like to mention them and use the code SPORTCHANCE for 10% off any of your supplement needs. Uh, yeah, I'm able to manage to cross this one in the 30 minutes. Uh, as always, uh, enjoy yourselves. Thank you for stopping by. Cheers.